What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn on the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zass, joined by my co-host. We had a one-week hiatus. I think that we both were just really busy with the holiday and everything. And honestly, there wasn't a lot to talk about coming to that Bills game. Russo, how you doing? You've been crushing it on the first and forever. It's not first and ten anymore. <laughs> it can't be first and ten, man. That's uh, I, I just with the state of the offense, it's got to be first and forever. That's what it feels like watching the Jets. But honestly, um, we were talking before the show. You said you're apathetic. I mean, you're, you're trying to let them not impact your life anymore. I wish I could be as strong as you because they still they get me. This is. It, I think, you know, you couple the, the hopes of the season in general and the vibes that were coming into that opening game, September 11th, and then the false mm-hmm. hope that they gave you through the first, what, six, seven games. I think all of that combined with how the team has looked, they've just had no sign of life uh, for the last four. It's just, this is as bad as it's been in the in the last 13 years where they haven't, you know, they haven't done anything. I don't. I don't think any other season really compares with this. I was trying to think. I know Joe Caparoso tweeted out like his rankings of of how bad it is over the last thirteen. And and honestly, I would say twenty sixteen comes close for it comes closest for me. But it's really not even close. This is as bad as I can remember. It really is. How about for you? It's like a weird situation because you know the goalposts changed as, as soon as Rogers got hurt. So it's like. You, you had these high expectations and you thought that things were going to happen and they were going to finally break this drought. But at the same time, it's like, I, I don't know if I, I, it's, it's ugly. Like, don't get me wrong. Like we don't even really have to go through this Dolphins game. I feel like it's been, it's been almost a week at this point. And yep. you and I have been doing a good job of not doing these nature reaction podcasts because like, I, I think if I did them so quickly, I would be such just a, like a mess and I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And it allows me to compose myself and be a human, but like, yeah, it's, it's been as bad because the expectations were so high and now the lows are so low. Cause this is like the most inept offense you've seen. And it feels like we've had this conversation so many times over and over and over again. It's like, when does it end? Why can't they get this going on offense? Like, I, I don't understand, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, 2016 was tough because there was expectation, even though I, like in the back of our minds, we knew Fitzpatrick would pro- was probably not going to be able to duplicate what he did in 2015. Um, I would say uh, 2011 is is kind of similar because you know they were eight and five, and there were there were expectations. It seems good, and they collapsed. Obviously, 2012 was when everything really started to go downward, and then yeah. you know it just we we haven't seen anything. But it, it it's just horrible in its own way because we've seen so much bad football and like it's weird because the defense is good but like you're worried at this point is the defense going to start quitting because they can't take you know all the hard work they were putting into like the preparation throughout the week you know the effort they're giving on Sunday and then when they just see nothing like eight points a game from the offense it's like do you blame them like it's such a deflating feeling I know that was long-winded but like it's I don't really know. This is such a unique season because it's something on um, I guess Brett Favre would be like the closest thing because it was like he got that quarterback, but they were much yeah. better. They were eight and three. They were, they were much better. <laughs> the offense was better. Um yeah, there was an offense. <laughs> yeah, and I think you know, when you when you look at it objectively, right? Like the, the reasons and the excuses, for lack of a better term, are everywhere, especially for this offense. Like they've been decimated by injuries. They they've lost four of their five, you know, starting offensive linemen that they started the first game. Clearly, Aaron Rodgers went down. Zach Wilson's not it. Like the the excuses are everywhere. You know, um, outside of Garrett Wilson, nobody can get open. Like everything, but 
all that being true, it still shouldn't look this bad. No. Right? Like that, like any NFL professional offense can function higher than this. Teams somehow stumble into touchdowns. Teams somehow find a way to remain at least competitive for a quarter or two. Yep. And the Jets simply just they they can't get anything going. And the a mere three-point lead for the opposition feels insurmountable. And it's to the point, and I, you know, I, I did it, uh, I said it yesterday on the on the solo pod, but it's like I was cheering like hell for that Brandon Eccles pick six, but in my heart, I, I knew it was still that it's you know a three. What I thought would be a three point lead, but you know Zerline missed the extra point. What I thought was a three point lead was still it still felt insurmountable, and still like you know what the Jets still have no shot, even though it's ten seven more should, should have been ten seven. Momentum should swing. It still felt like it was not going to happen, and that's I've never seen an offense this bad and this inept, and and shoot themselves in the foot and just not have any sense of like there's no chance at success in any way, shape or form. And until we see otherwise, there's no reason to think it's going to happen. Yeah. Like we, we were talking about this. Like I just can't pick them to win until they show some sort of life on offense. Like I, I'm not going to pick them to win today. Spoiler for anyone who, <laughs> who's watching or listening, surprise, but surprise. like it, but it's, it's just, it's, it's so deflating as a fan when you, you know, you love this team, and look, I'm not getting as juiced up for these games as I normally would with Tim Boyle at quarterback. But like you said, it's like if they're down ten points, they're dead. Like mm-hmm. I don't even think that there's even a chance that they can win the game. And that, that is such a disheartening thing. Is you you love and you you love this team with so much passion, and you you think about them all off season, throughout mm-hmm. the summer and camp, and all the updates, and then you get to the games, and it's just like. If they're not showing any signs of life, you're like they're they're done, they're toast, and that's just such a it's such a bad place to be as a fan. Like I, you know, I, I love the Knicks, and there's been so many dark years as a Knicks fan, but like they have finally have figured out a way to you know have a really nice product. I mean, look, they're not they're not going to win the championship this year, but at least night in night out, you know they're going to fight. They're well coached. Like people have their thoughts on Tom Thibodeau. But, like, you know that they're not going to look like this and so inept. I mean, they have their flaws at times, but, like, they're a competent, you know, decently ran organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've made a lot of good moves. And it's like the Jets, on the, in theory, have made good moves. And a lot of the stuff that we, we they did, we agree with at the time. But it's like there's so much that I have issue with. And I feel like we've talked about nausea, whether it's the way they've handled the backup quarterback. It's the lack of, you know, skill, skill players. It's the offensive line. It's you know, punter up until this year. And finally they fixed, they fixed punter and then everything else goes bad. It's just like when, if it's one thing, then there's the other, but they just haven't had a good offensive coordinator, like ever, like what's yeah. the last time we had a good offensive coordinator? Uh, uh, Charlie Weiss. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, right. You know, and that's, I, I never, that's, that's I, how far back you really have to go. I mean, I think Schottenheimer gets a lot of hate and that's probably, um, a little bit unfair. I wouldn't say he was a great offensive coordinator, but listen, he he was a coordinator for teams that went to playoffs in went to the playoffs in what 06, almost yeah. 08, but 9, 10. You know, I mean, he had a decent offense. I think Schottenheimer was better than a lot of people give it credit for. And I think now knowing what you know, I'd give my left nut to have Schottenheimer back home, please. <laughs> you want to know what the issue is? It's just I don't think that they develop Sanchez properly. And I think Joe and Connor touched on this last uh last week on Badlands. It's like he had he did a lot of good things, but they didn't let Sanchez throw the throw the ball down the field in the, the beginning, and then they put too much on his plate. That was yeah. the issue. But like 
Shadi like definitely knew how to call plays. It's like Hackett is so inept and has no idea what he's doing. He has no feel for the game. He it's like the most predictable thing. I know everyone makes the joke. First down, you know, first play of the game. It's always going to be a, a what's it called? A Brees Hall run up the middle. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's like you. I wish you could like if you could bet that it'd probably be like like ten thousand because it's the most obvious yeah. thing. And um, if they ever do pass on first down and it's incomplete, you know that a second down draw to Brees Hall is coming. Without a doubt. Second down shotgun draw. It's the yeah. most predictable offense. There's no imagination. There's no pizzazz. There's no trick plays. He's not trying to do anything. He's not trying to run motion. He's not doing anything that could give this offense any life. And that is just one of the many problems with this offense is that they need consistently. They need 10 plays to 15 plays to go absolutely perfectly for them to methodically make their way down the field and score. And it's just not going to happen. No, because because teams are just keying on Brees Hall and, and Garrett Wilson. The miracles are over and you're not going to get that because someone, anyone is going to commit a penalty, back the sticks up. They're going to be in first and 20 and the drive's over. And it's it's the most infuriating thing to watch. And that's why we are, to your point, apathetic at this point, because that's just how it goes. Yeah, and it's it's just like I just want something to get excited about. I mean, like they're playing the Falcons this week, and I just feel like that's a team that they could beat. Yep. The Falcons are feisty on defense. They're they're they can run the ball. They're not really a threat in the pass game. But even though Ritter has shown some signs of life, but like it's it's just crazy. Um, I want I want to talk about Rodgers because it's it's actually insane. Like we've been hearing for probably the past month that he was targeting this December second <clears> return. The fact that he's literally on the practice field, even if it's in a living capacity, he's dropping back and throwing. Like, what? Like, how is this happening? Like, it's like 77 days. Like, it hasn't even been a full three months since he did that. And I I've, I know there's been a lot of discourse about, like, you know, should he play? Should he not play? I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my honest opinion. Like, unless they're like, they somehow start winning games, I don't think he should play. But like I, I could I understand the argument. So it's like if if they do play him, I'm gonna be like excited because it's like at least I get to see this, and this yeah. is what we were promised, and this is what we were hoping for going into the season. But like I'm still gonna be scared like hell, like the way we, we were feeling when he was in that that like you know one quarter in the Giants preseason game, worrying about yeah. him getting hurt, especially now that we've seen him get hurt. But like yeah, I, I like fully expect it. Like, what are your thoughts? Like, if let's just say, okay, what are they four and seven right now? If they get Let's just say they win. Somehow they win two of their next three. And I, I don't think that that's going to happen. I, so I don't. I'm, I'm just giving the hypothetical. So they're six and eight. They're and they're and what? Their playoff chances are hanging by a thread or their playoff chances are done? Um, I would say hanging by a thread. They, I feel I feel like you could. there's a chance you could sneak in at nine and eight with so the way the AFC is. The smart, the smart thing to do is don't even let them come back and shut it down. Don't risk it. The, the risk greatly outweighs the reward. Agreed. Right. And that's what my mind says. My heart says, screw it. I want to see him. And that that's basically it. And I'm just to the point where I'm done, like being not excited watching Jets football. Yeah. I'm done feeling like sitting down on Sunday afternoons is like a burden, like at like work. And that's because that's truly what it feels like. And I just want to see him. And I do. I think a OK, you're 100 percent right. Like it is miraculous that we are legitimately witnessing this guy throw footballs to his teammates 77 days post-surgery like that's insane I, I i can't be overstated right like that is legitimately crazy that he's back on the practice field i do think there 
outside of the Jets being in contention, there is definitely something for him to prove to like all the doubters. I think that is clear that that is a huge part of his motivation is to prove that like he's this guy to be able to do it when no one else could do it, even, uh, you know, a shade as close to this time frame. Um, so my thoughts are, yeah, I, I, I think it's not smart for him to come back, even if their playoff chances are hanging by a thread, but shit, I'd love to see it. I will. I, I'm, I'm that guy where I'm just like, I, I want to see him on the field. And I think there's, there's a part of him too, that wants to show that like this offense can work. If he's running the show, this offense can work. You can give hope going into next season. And I don't know. It'd just be fun to see. I, and I honestly, I'd like to get the Patriots monkey off our back. So if he comes back just for that game to beat them, then screw it. it it's all worth it. I mean, regardless if he plays or not, I fully see us winning that game and giving them a quarterback no, for the future. I don't know. I do. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Have you watched them lately? They're have horrible. you watched us lately? Yeah, but our defense is is good enough to stop them. I th- I feel it like we should win by like just. It should have been. Ball. It should have been the last three times we played them too. Well, and how that's that turned out there. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's actually insane that they can't beat Mac Jones, and Mac Jones is so bad. And I know he oh, wasn't man. bad his rookie season, but how how he's looked the past two seasons, it's yeah. really pathetic. That they haven't been able to do it, but we'll see what happens in week 18. Um, but yeah, for Rogers, like it'd be so cool to see, and like just like the the juice that we'd all have, just the fact of like watching this, and then it would be we he it's like you know it, the scenario would be like he look amazing, and then we get so teased, and then we have to wait all this time, and then who knows what happens next year of how he plays, or he gets hurt again, which is like the worst case scenario, or yes. he looks bad. This is like there it, it, I, like other than like just the hope that you're going to be holding on to if they if he plays well, it's just like it almost feels like it's going to be fool's gold. And I have like all these like terrible like bigger picture thoughts about like where the franchise is going to go, you know, after him because it's like the, it, how do you like I don't trust this regime to build this thing, you know, beyond him and even really going into next year. And like you and I have been you know big supporters of Sala. We have praised Joe Douglas, but I would say that we've been more anti-Douglas than Salah. And, I, and I'll mm-hmm. be honest, but I think at this point, I'm kind of annoyed with both of them. And like, I, I want to transition that because we haven't really talked about it the last two weeks. Um, like, so what's what's your pulse on Salah? Like, how do you feel about him? Like, do you feel he, you know, is a guy that can actually run a winning team? Because as you know, he's 15 and 30, so there's nothing. He's not a winning coach right now. Mm-hmm. And do you think that you know, if they lost out for whatever reason, that they should bring him back because it's like a mulligan with Rodgers? Yeah. So I, I struggle with this one. I think there's a lot of things at play here. So the, my my the, to answer the first part of your question, what I will say is that how I feel about Salah is that my patience is definitely getting a lot thinner. I love Salah the guy. I love yeah. Salah the coach. I think he has tremendous um, locker room presence and what he can do to motivate, connect with players, all that I think is is fantastic and and truly like commendable what he's done this yep. year, at least for the first part of the season until you know these last uh, this four game skid. I think that only gets you so far. Um, my annoyance is with him. I think he's too hesitant to make changes, i.e., the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think that obviously comes to light when Zach Wilson is starting up until he's benched and then he's immediately number three. Like, so why wasn't Simeon number two prior? Why was Zach Wilson still starting up until that point? And then immediately the second you decide to bench him, he's now number three. Like, make those decisions sooner. You've seen this. 
You know how it's going to go. We, we've seen this movie before. Like, make those decisions sooner. Um, you know, the playing time, like getting Ruckert in there, benching, was, uh, you know, um, making Lazard inactivated, like all those things. Just be a little bit quicker on the trigger. I do think he's got to get a better finger on the pulse of like in-game stuff. Ultimately, though, he's going to get another year. So is Joe Douglas. I think Robert Sala, I, I think they both deserve it because – and you got to take context of it. Like Adam Schefter tweeted the other day, or was I, was he on McAfee when he said there could be eight yeah, yeah. this year? You have to take that into consideration. So they're going to get another year. I think they should. And to answer the last part of your question, yes, with Aaron Rodgers coming back, I do think Robert Sala could be the coach of a winning team. I do think he has that ability. And I just think you got to get offense right. And I listen. But he's been horrible at that. That's the he, thing. He, that, and, and that is the problem. Now, the first two years, you could put a lot of that on Zach Wilson. And now we're kind of seeing maybe it wasn't Mike LaFleur. This year, you get Hackett, who really, in all actuality, was a, a necessary evil to get Aaron Rodgers. And then Aaron Rodgers goes down four snaps in, and you're left with this. So there's just a lot of context around it that muddies the waters. Ultimately, though, I think that Salah deserves another shot here, and he's going to get it. But I do think he can coach a winning team. How do you feel about it all? So I, I I will say that I've definitely shifted in my, you know, my feelings on him more in the negative light. Because, like you said, I like him as a guy. It's not like at Adam Gase, it was like, like the least likable and personal coach you've ever seen. He's not like Bowles, who's boring. He has like, you know, he has the mantra. He has like, you know, he's very personable. And I feel like he's kind of real when he talks to people. And you know, the players like him and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And that's a, you know, something that's important, you know, in coaching the NFL, I know that the old, like, you know, curmudgeon, you know, Bill Belichick's Parcells of the world, it's not the way, it's not the way to connect with players in the modern era. So I like that about him. I think he's done a good job with the defense. I think he's done a good job with player development specifically on defense, but I think his inability to put together a competent coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball is a problem. And I understand that, you know, he allows his guys to call the plays. He's not, you know, he's, but I think, uh, and it goes back to LaFleur, like you said, like, I think you and I were LaFleur supporters still do. And we're not surprised that like, you know, it's, it's this, I, and I will say that I was very pro Hackett, even if it Rogers wasn't coming because I thought that the work that he did in Buffalo and in Jacksonville would hopefully be a sign of good things mm -hmm. for us. I was wrong. I'm going to take it. It's fine. <laughs> um, he's terrible. But I, I think the fact that Calvary's is still here is weird. And it's mm -hmm. like people – and I've heard I, – I, I, I forgot someone on the beat had told me that they really feel like strongly about his long-term development as a coach. That's why they kept him around. They felt like another team would poach him, What yada, yada. I don't know if that's true. But – I just think that he's, you know, he doesn't hire anyone that gives you confidence. I mean, like all the guys like Downing and um, Keith Carter, like they're not good and they weren't good in their previous roles. And that's a problem. And I know that it wasn't a job that was super desirable because at the time when they put these, like, you know, hires in place, they didn't have Aaron Rodgers. It was Zach Wilson, you know, impending free agent, Mike White, Strebler, and that was it. So it's like, okay. And obviously, you know, Salah's seat's starting to get a little bit warmer. I, you know, I, I just don't trust him at this point. I mean, yes, he hasn't had a quarterback, so I'd like to see it. But 
you know, at some point, and you can't put this all on the offensive staff, they still have boneheaded penalties. He's yep. not good with the clock. He's not good at being aggressive enough. He's gotten better at that, but I still have my issues. And, and that's why, I, like, long-term, I don't see it. But, yeah, Rodgers can maybe cover a lot of those holes up, and I hope to see that. But if they lose out, he shouldn't be back next year, nor should Joe Douglas. And I know that's a problem, like you said, if there's, like, all these openings, it's like they're not going to be a desirable thing. But the roster isn't as bad as it's playing. So I'm a quarterback, and they don't have a good Correct. offensive staff. The defense is really good. You can fix a lot of the things that are a problem. I mean, you get more yep. offensive linemen, hopefully get more weapons, and then it's it's different. But I don't I don't believe in him long term. I really don't. But uh, I'm hoping I'm wrong. Hoping yeah. you're wrong. The, the, yeah, I mean, at this point, you have to look at what the record is. You know, Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. He's a 15 and 30 coach. And Joe Douglas is a 24 and 53 GM. I mean, that's just that's the reality of it. And you bring up a very good point on the penalties. Like that is 1000% coaching. And that is something that's been an absolute backbreaker for this team this season. And for some reason they can't get it fixed. So that is 1000% a huge uh, negative on Salah's resume. So we'll see. But now I thought listening to Badlands, I thought Connor brought up a really good point. Like you have, obviously you have to take into consideration like all these openings that will be there and what, mm -hmm. you know, why would the jets be desirable? But for a GM slash head coach combination, like the, the draw to having a win now mentality with a quarterback of Aaron Rodgers' stature while also being able to build your way for the future. That is a draw. This is not a full teardown. And you have pieces right now. And you have you pieces. certainly have pieces. Like the jet, like let's, you know, and I think that's a it's an interesting topic. So we can kind of pivot too. Cause I saw actually uh, a, a tweet today that said it was Drew from Jersey, our boy there, who still, <laughs> hey, if you ever listen, Drew, we're, you're welcome to come on the show, man. You'd be an awesome guest. He's hard to, um, we've tried. We've tried, man. He, he, he flakes out, but um, he tweeted that, you know, even with Rodgers, that J this year's Jets team would have been a very similar version of the 2022 Packers. I'm not sure if I fully buy that, but like, what are your thoughts on that? Like a young team, you know, build moment, built momentum as the season went on. But ultimately, I think what they finished eight and nine or nine and eight, obviously missed the wild card, you know, from the last game of the season. I don't know if I fully buy that, but either way, even if Rodgers was here, regardless, this is still, you can see building blocks for this team. As you look into 2024, you do not have to touch the defense. You put all of your assets, all of your picks, all of your cap space into offense, into offensive line, into playmakers at wide receiver. And you have a potential to make a run and push all your chips into the middle of the table. So I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on that. Like if Rodgers was healthy, all things considered, how would this team net out? Significantly better. And I disagree with that notion. I think the Jets' defense is significantly better than the Packers. I'm not saying the Packers have a bad defense. They have a solid defense, but yeah. like they, they have Jair, who's you know one of the best corners in the league, but they don't have the trio the Jets have. They don't have the consistent pass rush anymore that the Jets have. I mean, they have Rashawn Gary, who's awesome. Um, I think they still have Devondre Campbell, but like I overall, I don't think it's even close. The Jets' defense is really good. It's like a top five unit, I think, from a DVOA perspective. And if you have Rodgers being, what, maybe between the 8th and 12th best quarterback in the league, and who knows, he could have been even better. No, I, I think 10 or 11 wins, getting into the playoffs, fighting with Miami for the, the division. I mean, I, I think that they would have been a lot better on Friday if, if they had him against 100%. Miami. And they probably, they probably, I would say, right now, what are they, 4 and 7? I think they're probably 7 and 4 or 6 and 5. 
You can even At make least. an argument. You and and we make- we had this conversation, I think, when the Jets were four and four. Yeah. And, and I thought I thought they would have been seven and one, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, six and two, seven and one at least, right? And you were you were saying the same thing. I think maybe they were four and five at the time, but either way, like so, I, I definitely agree. And I think you taking the defense, uh, the Jets defense this year over the Packers last year, thousand percent, late years. Yeah. I feel like it's more like the Jets defense is like more comparable to the Packers defense when they went to back to back. What's it called? NFC Championship games. Mm-hmm. Like that defense was really good. I don't think that the one in 2022 is the same. And I think that's why the, you know, they weren't as good of a team as they mm-hmm. were in 2021, 2020, and, and uh, 2019. So, yeah, I, I mean, I could, I could see the points to that, but I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I do want to talk about Joe Douglas because I am, I'm done with him, honestly. Like <laughs> I, I don't believe in him as a team builder. It's like, you don't, you shouldn't get two presidential terms to make the playoffs. Like, assuming he's back next year, that's year six, man. That's the full length of a contract, and he's not getting an extension. If they give him an extension, they're idiots. Unless Woody is like, okay, if it doesn't work out, I'll fire him and pay him. I don't care. You cannot give him an extension unless it's like a one-year extension so he's not lame duck. I I think that people need to stop overrating this guy. Like, yes, he has made good picks, and he's done a couple things from like an undrafted free agent standpoint, but – the, the results are what they are, and he is one of the worst, you know, in the modern-day era records for a general manager. And I I know Joe was asking for this for Badlands. He was saying, like, who – is there anybody who has less uh, – who's had more games and not made the playoffs as a general manager than Joe Douglas? I, I would love to know the answer to that. A guy I was thinking about, and I, I didn't look at his record. He may not have been in his job that much, but was uh, Matt Millen. Because I remember he mm-hmm. was with the Lions for a really long time. And the fans were super annoyed by having him for so long. They were on him fired. But me, I I just I, I don't think that this guy is capable of building a winning team. The offensive line is no better than what it was in, in 2019 when he inherited it. It's there's the same issues, the same issues. It's you have like one or two guys, and that's it. You don't even have four out of five. Like, can we at least have four out of five starters in place? I'm not saying that they need to be high-level superstar offensive line. They're going to be the Dallas Cowboys of 2014 when they had, you know, Ty Smith, uh, Frederick, and um, Zach Martin, when they had those three guys at their prime. It just needs to be starters, and they don't have that. Like, next year, I only feel feel like they have Tippmann in AVT and I guess maybe Carter Warren. I mean, you, you hope that Becton's okay, but, like, you can't rely on him, and he's a free agent. Dwayne Brown's a hundred. At this point, Max, can you rely on AVT? It's a, it's a fair yeah. question, but you know when he plays, he's he's, he's awesome. good. That, that's the difference. when Becton yeah. plays, he's good. It's just a big, it's a big. If yeah, but we've place. but at least we've seen AVT's rookie season played the entire year. Yeah, true. We've never seen that from Becton. He hasn't played oh. a full sixteen or seventeen. Yeah, it's a fair so point. Oh well, yeah, but yeah, so, it's, it's still a question. But I mean, yeah. he's he's not somebody they're getting rid of. That's the no, thing. No. But what, what are your think, thoughts on Joe Douglas? So, for, I looked it up real quick. First of all, Matt Millen, uh, eight-year tenure as uh, head of the Detroit Lions, and he has the worst record in the history of the modern NFL at 31-84. and 84. There's the So answer. Joe Douglas is certainly approaching uh, Matt Millen's status. Um, yeah, I think, again, the the you just have to look at it objectively, and Joe Douglas to this point is not a good GM. I mean – no one will discount the job that he had to do to clean up the mess that he inherited. 
right? You can't, you, you can't discredit that. However, what you can do is look and say that this regime was provided the lowest bar to clear by just not being Adam Gase. And the offense specifically is in a worse spot now than they were when Adam Gase left. Yep. And that's an indictment on Robert Sala and Joe Douglas. Now, injuries aside, it's still football. Injuries happen. You have to figure it out. I mean, it's just one of those things. He has things he can hang his hat on. The Jamal Adams trade, finding uh, undrafted free agents like Bryce Huff and, and, and John Franklin Myers, drafting Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, and Jermaine Johnson. Um, Signing DJ Reed in free agency, right? Those That's are the literally things, the only good free agency signing. Yeah, those are the things he hangs his hat on. The other things, the 2020 draft class, Braden Mann. I'm going to throw that one in there just for you, Stephen. Uh, Corey Davis, Carl Lawson, like all of these swings and misses. Where listen, you know, you have to take that into consideration. So even if it's been a 50 50 good and bad on all these, um pro personnel moves and draft moves at the end of the day, your record's 24 and 53. So you are a DGM at best. D, and that's what it is. No way. No way. It's what? Like, it's, it's like a D minus. It's borderline F. All right. Okay. So you are not, um, you're not even mediocre. Let's put it that way. He's you're not. A bad, you're a bad GM. So until proven otherwise, like that's what he is. Now, again, he's going to get another year. He's going to get, they're all going to run it back because of Aaron Rodgers to see what they can do. After that, if 2024 is a is not a success, if there's no playoffs, I think everyone's gone. I mean, yeah, but like I just feel like you can't like if they lost out, if they started four and four or whatever, whatever it was, yeah, four and four. I mean, they were four and three. Four and three. And they lost 10 straight games. That's bad. Come back. I don't care. It's NFL. <laughs> and I, you know. The other debate here, and you could speculate all day, is really how Aaron Rodgers would feel about all this because I think he's clearly like the second most powerful person in the organization. It's annoying, but, but like it is what it is. You sign up for it. You got to deal with it. At what point, like, can Aaron Rodgers even like he can he really even defend this? Can he look at this offense mm -hmm. and still stick by Nate Hackett and say like this is this, this is the guy we have to stick with? Now, what he's going to say is that, listen, Nate Hackett's offense is the one that I won back-to-back -back MVPs with, and he's right. Well, but it's No, it's with, actually not true because without, he didn't call the plays. <laughs> without, Nate, without Nate Hackett, though, or I'm sorry, without Aaron Rodgers, this offense is the most inept offense in the NFL and maybe the history of the NFL. Let's also, let's also remember that he also won two MVPs without Nate Hackett. So <laughs> True. Very, that also very with Mike good McCarthy, the, yeah. the play caller. So good, very good points. I just, want to, I just want to bring that up. So he 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 could say one two MVPs of this offense, which was called by Matt Lafleur, not Nate Hackett. But he also yep. won two MVPs with Mike McCarthy. Everyone loves to drag through the mud. I just I just want to bring that up. Um, <laughs> um, we we I, I I like this show because we you know normally what we do we always talk about the game and there was just nothing to talk about. It's been the same shit you know like a month or. <laughs> Remember what we were saying? It was like, wow, they hadn't lost a game in a month. And now they haven't won a game uh, in a month. It's yeah, I know. Like, oh, for it's... November. And but... yeah, I remember my bold prediction was them going 10 and 7 and getting a wild card. <laughs> Got to walk that one back. Wow. See, my forever optimism, yeah. it's taken a hit this season. Yeah, it, it certainly has. But like, what can I, I can't blame you. Um, 
So let's let's pick this Falcons game. I mean, we talked about it a little bit at the top, but what are your thoughts? What's the final score going to be? Are the Jets going to finally break out of this slump? Are they going to get a dub? You know I'm not going to pick them to win, but I'm curious no. what your thoughts are. I don't think they get a win. I mean, I can't pick them until I see the offense move the ball um, in any sort of fashion. So, I, you know, nothing really about the Falcons scares me um, Bijan does. In, a, in a normal world. But even I, I, I think the Jets can defend Bijan, and I think – you know, you, you gotta the, the thing you have to be scared about is how Oakland played, or I'm sorry, Oakland, how uh Vegas played them, where it was kind of like death by a thousand cuts. It's like, you know, if we just continue to pound the ball and we'll take these three yard chunk plays, and that's that's it, we'll just do it and do it and do it and wear them down. And ultimately we'll stumble into a touchdown and that'll be enough to beat them. Like that's the the concern. I just don't think that the Jets have enough offensively to be able to do it. I we haven't seen anything in the last four weeks to suggest that they're going to figure it out since the bye um they've scored what 13 6 12 6 and this this past game they scored 13 but six were a were a pick six so seven yeah i mean is there anything to suggest they're going to get out of single digits no there's not and you know i don't want to digress too far but i even i said it on the show yesterday i feel like this season died with that uh zach wilson stepping out of bounds against vegas and the cg Uzama penalty i feel like that the season could have Going a different way had those two things not happened as Zach Wilson neither got in the end zone or Brees Hall got in the end zone without that penalty and, and things just kind of fell apart from there. But I really don't see the Jets winning this game. Um, I think it's going to be something ugly like 17-7 Falcons. Uh, I don't even know if that touchdown comes from a courtesy of the Jets offense. Maybe someone, maybe Sauce gets his first pick six or something. I don't, I don't know. But um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be a dog fight, but I just um, I don't see the Jets winning this one because I just simply don't think that their offense can can pick up any slack. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with anything you just said. I think the one thing that you can get it, you know, hopefully a little bit optimistic and hold your head hold your head up with is Desmond Ritter is very prone to mistakes, and this Jets defense is going to capitalize on that. They are going to pressure him. They are going to probably force a few turnovers, so will help them. It's just what can the Jets do with that? Can they turn one into a touchdown? Can they, you know, actually score on offense if they have the ball inside the 20 because of a turnover? That's really the key right now. Um, I do think that Bijan has a nice day. I think he's really started to come on, but I do think the secondary is going to have it have its day. So it's just a matter of if they could stop uh stop the run, which I think they should be able to contain it a little, but I do think Bijan's gonna have a nice day. I'm gonna go um 21-10 Falcons, but I think that they score, you know, a fourth quarter touchdown. I think it's going to be like 14-10 most of the game, and then they score a touchdown to put it away late in the game. But it's it's just going to be the same thing. And listen, maybe Timmy Boyle, you know, shows us something that we haven't seen, but I'm, I'm not feeling great about it. Do you, do you think that we see Simeon on Sunday? Good question. I actually thought there was a chance that maybe they would have put him in the second half, um, I guess, against Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, depends. Like if they, if they're getting blown out, yes. If it's a close game, no. But if they're, if it's just like the same type of offense that we saw against Miami, I think he starts against the Texans. But I would say if yeah, if I had like handicapping from a percentage standpoint, I'd say 80% no, that we don't. What about you? I think there's a chance we do. I think, um, the activation and move to number two had to be for a reason. I think they... I, I think they have to have a quick hook with Boyle, and I don't think he showed much of anything on uh, – He knows on the offense, Friday. though. Yeah, but, I mean, that's still – it only gets you so far. I think at this point, what, what do you have to lose? 
Um, so I, I think there's a chance where if the offense butters and the Jets are still in it, maybe at halftime the game's three nothing, six nothing, and the offense is still sputtering, you, you kind of go to Simeon for a little spark and see what he can provide. Um, yeah. I think there's a chance of that because I just I, I think they they went to Boyle by default to move away from Zach. I think at this point, I think everyone in the organization's got to know that that Simeon gives you your best chance right now. We'll see. I mean, I would have went to him last week, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's hard to be optimistic until you see reason to believe otherwise. Mm -hmm. uh, we did get one question from our man Slippery Pete about going to the tailgate, which I was going to do at oh. the bottom. Unfortunately, neither of us are going, but I know a bunch of the TOJ, Badlands crew are going, plenty of people to Discord. Uh, just can't get around to doing it. I, I wish I could. I've been to a lot of the other Badlands events we've done, but if you have not signed up for RSCP, definitely do so. It's going to be awesome. I know it's in the East E lot. I'd have to talk to Joe, but Joe, I'm sure we'll tweet it out um, over the weekend. But you know, there's going to be cheesesteaks from Chitties, which is awesome. The profit guys will be there. I'm sure they're probably doing some sort of giveaway that they're awesome. And you know, I know Joe will be there. Will Dalbin. I know Meeks is making his MetLife debut for the first time in a while. Um, and I think a few other people. It should be a good time. Make sure to check that out if you plan on going to the game. Um, also. Make sure you subscribe to the show, whether it's on YouTube, youtube.com slash at BadlandsToj. Um, you can do it on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, or Google Podcasts. It's literally just searching Turn the Jets Live. You look for our logo. Don't mistake it with Will's Pod, which you can subscribe to as well. That's just Turn on the Jets. And last but not least, obviously, if you're listening to the show or watching, you know about Badlands. Definitely sign up. It's the only way to get through these tough weeks. Joe and Connor do an amazing job with the post-game therapy and all the stuff that other guys with Paul and Jake and, you know, Dan with Buck the Trend and, you know, War Room and Film Room. I know the Film Room hasn't really been happening because there hasn't been much to want to watch. <laughs> but I know when there is, you know, good tape out there, Connor will be doing a great breakdown. So subscribe. It's awesome. Whether you're spending $5, $10, whichever membership you have, it's worth it what we're built for it's you need you need people who feel like you who make you feel like you're not taking crazy pills with this team because i certainly feel like that when i watch these games a lot of the time. <laughs> russo any closing thoughts as we round out another episode i don't think so i mean i uh, the the one thing i will say is uh you know just keep joining us for therapy sessions that's all we can be right you want to commiserate and that's what we're here for mm -hmm. we'll, we can say the things that you're thinking and you can know that you're not crazy uh, by thinking the things that uh, that everybody else is. So that's what we're here for. Keep tuning it's in. It's okay to not be okay when it comes to that. The and, and in life in general, but yes. <laughs> I just want to let you know. With your Jets okay. fandom, definitely. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, listening, watching. We'll talk to you guys next week.